So we continue our series from the book of Philippians. If you go to the book of Philippians, it's about halfway through the New Testament. Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. And as you read through this, you're thinking, oh, this is, it seems like uh, Paul's autobiographical remarks. He's talking about Timothy and Epaphroditus. And you're thinking, well, how does this fit in the context of the message of the book, right? The message of joy. But also, what is, what is it that brings that joy? It's our fellowship with God and one another. So really, the onus is here, again, is on koinonia. Here's a practical example of koinonia, the exercise of fellowship within the body of Christ. And you have the congregation, you have the Apostle Paul, but what's accented here is Timothy and Epaphroditus. So that's our uh, look at that this morning. It's all for the sake of the gospel. Think of Philippians 1.21, to live is Christ. And that's what we see being manifested in the church of Philippi here. So we go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 through 30. That's our focus for today. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, he's speaking to the congregation of Philippi, that it also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. And yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, but that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Those 11 verses is our focus this morning. Yeah, you think about it, eh? In the church, what is the church? It's the body of Christ as believers. It's believers living in relationships with one another. But that stems out of a relationship with the Lord. That's, that's what's so special about koinonia. We looked at koinonia, which means what? Fellowship, partnership in the gospel. That's the chief vision. That's the chief aim of the church is for the gospel. right? To live is Christ. And everything is out of that focus. So koinonia, as we saw just, you know, just a few weeks ago, we saw that koinonia involves sharing, right? Sharing your faith, 
sharing your life and sharing your gifts with one another. Why? Because we belong to one another in Christ. And of course, that involves both by giving and receiving. There's two sides to that, isn't it? We share by giving and we share also by receiving. From the Bible, we know that fellowship was a gift of God. From the very beginning at creation, God created us to live in fellowship with him. That was a gift of God. And what happened when we sinned? That fellowship was destroyed. Was destroyed. And yet, what does God do in his mercy and his love? He restores that gift of fellowship again through Jesus, through his blood shed on the cross, and through the Holy Spirit who gives us that new life of Christ. And how do we receive that gift of fellowship? Simply by believing. By believing in Jesus himself. So if we turn away from our sin and believe in Jesus, what do we receive? Fellowship with God and with one another. Nothing like it in the world. You'll never ever find anything like this in the world, which is why the world is so joyless. They don't have the joy of the gospel. Because the joy of the gospel is to die to self and live to Christ. To live as Christ. That's where we really find our true selves. So that's where we're going today. It's just this, you see that selflessness. And what, what a model the church of Philippi is for the church today. Koinonia, right, is a gift of God which runs in two directions. God gives us fellowship with himself in Jesus and in him with, with, with one another. So what does that gift of fellowship look like in practice? Well, it's modeled for us here in the church of Philippi. And you see it particularly through Timothy and Epaphroditus, in addition to the congregation itself. Congregation is also very much in the foreground in these uh, verses before us. There are so many takeaways for us in this passage today as we see the powerful working of the Holy Spirit who builds fellowship who builds koinonia in the family of Christ. You see that here in the church of Philippi through humble servants, right? Through the humble servants of God, not just Timothy and Epaphroditus, but members of one another in the church there. But we're going to focus on how you see that fostered, you see that uh, accented, that fellowship through Timothy, first of all, and second of all, through uh, Epaphroditus. That's a long name. It's only named... That name is only mentioned twice in the Bible. We don't know much about him. But boy, he was a servant of the Lord. Humble servant of the Lord. But we'll look first of all at Timothy. You see how that, that, that fellowship is built or it's fostered. The Holy Spirit using Timothy to continue to foster that kind of fellowship within the congregation of Philippi. You read this and you're just astounded by the Holy Spirit's work in the life of Timothy particularly in his, his humble service. An unsung hero, right? A hero, a star, as we saw from a former passage in Philippians. A star, but not a star in the eyes of the world, but really a, uh, a shining light for Jesus Christ. By humble service, we mean he was serving the interests of Christ and others, forgetting about himself. 
You see it in Paul too, right? Apostle Paul. Greatly longs for the congregation of Jesus. Why? Because he has the affection of Jesus Christ in him. That affection talks about that deep-seated love, that tender care for the congregation. But Paul is not able to see them. He would just love to see the congregation. Where is Paul? He has no way he can reach there. He's in prison, chains on his hands, chains on his feet, suffering for the sake of Christ. And you think of Rome where he's at? It's a long, long, long ways away. I looked at the kilometers. It's, 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 it's thousands of kilometers from where Philippi is. It's a long ways away. And that's why, if you look at verse 19, he says, he says to the church in Philippi, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may also be encouraged when I know your state. You see his reason for wanting to send Timothy? Paul wants to know how they're doing. He's not going to talk about himself. He wants to know how they're doing. He wants to know about their spiritual state, their spiritual well-being. And that's why he wants to send Timothy there too, because he wants to hear from Timothy. How are they really doing? Are they holding up? Are they persevering in the faith of Jesus Christ? And so he sends Timothy not only to them, but for them in their interest. He really wants to see the work of Christ continue in the church of Philippi. Paul writes the Philippians to know, or he wants the Philippians to know, that he is as concerned about them, about their spiritual welfare, as they are about him. It's mutual. Right? That's, 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 what, that's what matters in a relationship. Right? It's, it's serving one another. And you see that here too, the relationship between Paul and the members, fellow members of the congregation. Koinonia, this is koinonia, the work of the Holy Spirit, the one who creates the fellowship on the basis of the finished work of Christ on the cross. Why? Why is Paul so intent on sending Timothy? Why not somebody else? (laughs) Why not send somebody else? I mean, Timothy, he has his eyes simply on Timothy. And he gives two reasons, two further reasons in, in verses 20 and 21. The first reason is in verse 20. He says to the congregation, I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. When he says like-minded, he says, I have no one like-minded like Timothy. He's not saying, I have no one like-minded like me. I have no one like-minded like Timothy. Right? He, He really honors Timothy for the Lord's work in his life. And then he says that Timothy also is genuinely concerned. That's the, that's the kind of like mind he's looking for. Someone who's genuinely concerned for the congregation, for the fellow members. Someone who's genuinely concerned about their physical and, and spiritual welfare. Timothy is like Paul in that, you know, you think of a parent, father and mother, who's most genuinely caring for their children. Of course, the parent is. right. There's no one more caring about their children than the parent. Well, that's the kind of relationship that Paul saw that Timothy has with the congregation. They were like 
in some ways, children. Not children in a mean sense, but children in the sense of that, that relationship that they had in Christ. That's one reason. Genuinely concerned. Timothy didn't have anything in it for himself, right? He wasn't looking for anything for himself to get out of them. No, no, it's just simply to give himself to them. That's the number one thing. Paul liked that. And he said, there's no one like-minded like that. But he gives another reason in verse 21. It's very blunt here, but it's also very sad when you read that because you think, well, were there not others in the church? Well, there were others available, but not like Timothy. What does Paul say? All seek their own and not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Sad to say, this is a reality that Paul faced in his days as well. He suffered so many disappointments from fellow colleagues who would desert him. 2 Timothy 4.16, just give you one example. Paul speaks about those whom he expected a lot of support. When he was the first time in prison, what happened? Those whom he expected support, they deserted him. They didn't want to align themselves and be at risk themselves. They're thinking about themselves. They're not thinking of the interest of Christ. Verse 21, Paul no doubt is thinking of others who would have been available, he could have sent to Philippi. His conclusion, they're just seeking their own for their own good. They're not seeking the interests of Christ. And when you think about that, who is he referring to? Well, he may have been referring to those troubling colleagues from chapter 1. Remember chapter 1, verse 15 and 16? Those who were preaching Christ, but they were doing it because they wanted something in their other hand. Right? Selfish ambition, it says. Preaching from envy and strife. There was jealousy. They were not doing it sincerely, genuinely. They didn't really have the interest of Christ in heart. They didn't really have the interest of the congregation in our heart. They do not build up koinonia or fellowship. And you think about it. It's really comes down to it's either Philippians 121 or Philippians 221. Right? Philippians 121 to live as Christ. Philippians 221 those who seek their own and not the things of Christ. Two very different things. And you think about it, that's what sin does. Sin breaks true fellowship with God and our relationships with one another. Think what's so natural to the sinful man is to do what? To turn inward. To turn towards himself and to love himself or herself, right? That's the way of sin. Rather than upward and outward to God and to one another and true love. It's a difference of self-love and true love. Serving self or love which gives self away. Paul saw that. And what he just loved to see is that Second model, work itself out within the congregation of Philippi.
koinonia as a gift. But you know, something else about koinonia, it's also a grace. It's a grace that God works in us. He's so patient that we can grow in, mature in, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Think about it. How did Timothy's genuine care for the spiritual well-being of God's people develop? Well, Paul took him under his wing. See that in verse 22? But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. You see how, you know, how is it that we grow and mature? By mentoring one another, by taking one another under our wings, particularly those who are younger in the faith. This is really a member-to-member ministry, not just the pastor. It's a member-to-member ministry. You think about Timothy. He had all his training throughout his years, in his case. Not everyone has that, right? He had his training from his grandmother. What was his grandmother's name? Lois. And his mother, Eunice. You can read about that in 2 Timothy 1.5. He knew the scriptures. Number one importance for children, knowing the scriptures. And Timothy knew the scriptures, 3 verse 15 of 1 Timothy. Boy, that's important for parents, right? To order to lay the foundation for this kind of service in Christ's kingdom. That kind of service. Knowing the scriptures, knowing Christ, knowing his love in order to give that kind of love and offer that love to others. Taking time with their children. Grandma Lois, Mom Eunice spent time. That's a privilege that many people who are Christians never had. So it makes it all the more of a privilege. Paul probably met Timothy when? Probably on his first missionary journey. Read in Acts 14, verse 6, Paul went to Derbe and Lystra. And where was Timothy from? He was from Derbe, or he was from Lystra. Those, those cities. Because you find out later when he came to visit the church in Derby and Lystra again, in Acts 16, who did he meet up with? He met up with Timothy. And Timothy grew up in the church. He learned to serve. He learned to love. He learned to give himself to one another as one of the members in the church. But the church spoke very well of him. Right? And so, as a result, he became one of Paul's fellow laborers for the purpose of building up the koinonia, the fellowship in the church, the word of God. Paul took him under his wing. Paul says here, as a father... To a son, father-son kind of relationship. And for those reasons, right, through the fires, through the crucible of, of ministry, Paul says, this man, that this Timothy, he says, he's tried and proven. Timothy's the kind of man, he says, even though he was weak, physically weak, the Bible tells us Timothy was physically weak, um, he was young, he was timid, but Paul says he's willing to endure conflict for the gospel. He's willing to endure abuse, suffer it. He's willing to humble, willing to humble himself serving Christ as an unsung hero. Paul takes Timothy under his wing. What a good example, isn't it? What may take place among us as a congregation, just in congregations in general. 
those, the more mature among us. Taking the younger in faith under our wing. Fathers, or sorry, um, uh, what was I going to say? Like a, like a father to a son, or like a mother to a daughter. Right? Encouraging, guiding, counseling, inviting for tea, sharing your faith, sharing your life, sharing your time with others. Right? That's the kind of example that Philippi, this is kind of the example we see in Philippi itself, kind of a mentoring, again, like a mother to a daughter, like a father to a son, so that in time they learn how to do the same for new ones, for new people who come into the fellowship. And you think about in the last few weeks the number of people right, who are knocking on the doors and the kind of opportunities the Lord is giving us to, to share, to live with, to guide, to counsel. That's the kind of um, sense you get as you read through this passage. Right? No doubt, no doubt Paul had to deal with selfish ambitions. You read about that in Philippians chapter 2. There were those things he had to deal with and continually deal with in a congregation because we're sinners. But at the same time, this is what Paul really accented on. Paul's affection for Christ shows in his care and concern for others, and that showed primarily in sending Timothy. He loved God's people. And that's why he says in verses 24 and 25, I hope to send Timothy at once to you. He couldn't wait to do that. As soon as I see how it goes with me, but I trust in the Lord that I myself also will come shortly. He's hoping that he can get out of prison too, and that he can enjoy that kind of fellowship and koinonia. You know, it's really, when you, when you read through uh, Philippians chapter 1 and 2, and you read about Christ and how he humbled himself, gave, gave, his, gave up his reputation, becoming man, even dying to the death of the cross, you begin to see that when that mind of Christ grows in us, like Timothy, what happens? Like Christ, we give ourselves over. We learn to seek. We learn to serve others. It's the powerful working of the Holy Spirit who creates that kind of, that kind of fellowship within the body of Christ. You see that in Timothy, but you also see that in Epaphrodite. It's a very different kind of person. Um, his name here means lovely. Epaphroditus means lovely. He was a member of the church, probably converted, maybe, maybe, maybe later in life. And he would, join, would have joined the Philippian jailer who became a member, and Lydia, and maybe a slave girl. But he was also, in addition to being a member, he was also a helpful assistant to the Apostle Paul in ministry. As a matter of fact, when you read this, these few verses, you read how he risked his health and life. He did it for Jesus, for the sake of Jesus. He's the one that was appointed. He was the one that was willing to volunteer to send or to carry that offering. Remember the congregation? This is another expression of koinonia. They get, they, they, he gathered that offering. They gathered that offering and then Epaphroditus then carried it all the way to Rome. How he got there, we don't know. But he was willing to risk night and day a dangerous journey 
because of his love for Christ and for the Apostle Paul. And in addition to that, you also see the koinonia in the congregation, don't you? How they so loved the Apostle Paul because they loved the gospel of Jesus Christ and they were willing to give them, give him the offering to show their thanks to Christ. And they said, you know what? We're going to send you Epaphroditus and he's going to carry the gift. But we're also going to have him, we're going to ask him to stay with you. There you see their love. They're willing to give up their pastor so that he can be an assistant to the Apostle Paul and serve in the churches in Rome. That was their, their motive, their aim. And notice how Paul describes him in verse 25. My brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier. Three descriptions which parallel to what Paul says about the gospel in Philippians 1. Right? My brother is parallel to fellowship in the gospel. Who has fellowship in the gospel? Brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? Those are who our true brothers and sisters are. Those who believe in Christ. And that's why Apostle Paul calls him my brother. He calls him fellow worker. And that points to chapter 1, 2, where Paul talks about the furtherance of the gospel, the spread of the gospel, fellow worker. So think of the furtherance of the gospel. And, fellowship, and he's also a fellow soldier, parallel to the fact that he was going to defend the faith of the gospel, the truth of the gospel. So Epaphroditus, you could say, was a very balanced Christian. Right? A brother, one who's willing to spread the gospel, and one who's willing to defend the gospel. That's very balanced. Very balanced for a fellowship of believers. You know, sometimes uh, some people emphasize fellowship, maybe sometimes too narrowly, and they forget about the spread of the gospel. Right? Sharing the gospel with those who really need it so that they too can also join the koinonia, join the fellowship of Jesus. Others are really quick to defend the faith, to defend the truth of the gospel, but maybe sometimes they neglect the fellowship with other believers. You know, as a community of believers, all three, all three, the fellowship, living in fellowship in the gospel, the spreading of the gospel, and defending the gospel, all three are important, equally important for a thriving, for a robust fellowship in the city. Everywhere, but also here. We share a common faith, do we not? Living in fellowship. And that's not all. We also share together in the work of the gospel. As we share together the work of the gospel, we not only live in fellowship, but that fellowship deepens and broadens. And we not only share in the work of the gospel, but as soldiers, we also fight for the truth of the gospel. We need to guard the koinonia. We need to uh, protect it. Or ask God to protect us in it. That the devil may never harm it. The devil would like nothing more than to destroy this kind of fellowship that the Spirit creates. And it's all through the Word of God. That's, that's how it happens. The Holy Spirit using the Word of God to, to form that bond. Epaphroditus... He modeled this. The Holy Spirit shaping him and 
Who did the Holy Spirit use to shape him? He used the Apostle Paul. He also used the congregation, fellow members, to shape him for who he was. Think about a time when he was not a Christian. Probably not. He became a Christian in time, and he was enveloped. He was, a, he was brought in into the fellowship, the small fellowship of Philippi. You know, and then the Apostle Paul says, and then we're, we're struck by this. Apostle Paul says, but I'm going to send them back to you, and it's necessary I send them back to you. You think, what? What happened? Did the relationship break? Did maybe Epaphroditus also desert him now? I, it is necessary for me to send them back to you. Well, wait a minute. I thought Epaphroditus was going to go there. They sent, the congregation sent him out of love for Paul, to serve Paul, to assist Paul, to work alongside of him. It's necessary that I send them back to you. Why? What happened? And when you read the rest, you begin to see, as we look at the why, what stands out is the expressions of love from Epaphroditus, from Paul, and from the congregation. No one finding fault with anyone else. Look at verses 26, 27, 28. To begin with Epaphroditus. No doubt he was a servant of the Lord. He volunteered to make that long, dangerous trip to stand up Paul's side to assist him. And he brought that gift of love. It was really a gift of love from the church. And he protected that gift with his own life. Really a beautiful thing of koinonia. But after arriving in Rome... What do we read in verse 26? He became very sick. Physically sick. And Apostle Paul says, almost unto death. Perhaps he was burnt out. I mean, imagine all the work he had to do there. Serving in the church there. Serving in the church in Rome. Helping Paul, assisting Paul. Perhaps that's why. We don't know. The scriptures don't say. But he was almost dead. And then we read the congregation of Philippi heard about it. We don't know how they heard about it from a long distance away, but they heard about it. And when they heard about it, that's when Epaphroditus became very distressed. He became very burdened. And you notice that he did not become a burden about himself, about his own health. He became very burdened about the health of the congregation. They were distressed. He was distressed about their distress. That word distress here is the same word used for Jesus, his unspeakable unspeakable anguish in in the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? Who for the joy of our salvation was willing to, to be overwhelmed with agony, willing to feel the full heaviness. That's, it could never compare to Christ totally, never. But, that's something of what Epaphroditus felt for the congregation. He was worried because he knew they were worried about him. <laughs> and that's the part about the congregation, right? He, they, he, they, he sees their love for him as well. His love for them, their love for him. And then they weren't upset at all at his early return. Sometimes circumstances are such that God works in different ways than what we always anticipate. It's very human here. You see a very human element in this passage here. And for Paul, 
You think Paul was a little ticked? I mean, by himself in some ways, being in prison, and what, this has to happen? No, you see here, even here, Paul is willing to sacrifice his loss of Epaphroditus. For what sake? For the sake of their joy. What mattered to him more was the joy of the congregation than his own joy. You see that? In verse 28, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice. That's his primary aim. See, this is the spirit-created koinonia within the congregation there. This meant more to Paul than any personal service might, he might have received from Epaphroditus. And it's that that makes Paul even less sorrowful because he knows that they're benefiting and therefore he's going to be less sorrowful because of it. As a matter of fact, he says, had he died, had Epaphroditus died, I would have been double sorrowful. Sorrowful, first of all, because I'm in prison. But then on top of that, to see that someone who's assisting me also died, he says, I thank God for his mercy, not only upon Epaphroditus, but also upon me and God sparing me from that sorrow. Wow. Sending him back to Philippi was a real sacrifice for Paul. But at the same time, the congregation did not find fault in Epaphroditus coming back. They knew the circumstances. They knew that God's in control. And no one should have a chip on their shoulder. As a matter of fact, when Paul sends him away, he says, now when he returns... I want you to give him a big hug. I want you to welcome him. And not only welcome, but I want you to honor him. Why? Because he risked his life for me. That's where the honor is. The honor is laying down your life. And that's what we see in Epaphroditus. Receive him, says Paul, in the Lord with all gladness and hold men in such esteem. Because for the work of Christ, he says, he came close to death, not regarding his life, willing to risk his very life for Christ. And Paul is saying here is that if there was anything lacking in your kindness toward me, you have certainly made it up by sending me Epaphroditus. That's what we see in verse 30. Right? It's, it's, you know, he's just extremely thankful. And again, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's not something that comes out of sinful nature. <laughs> That's the, that's the triumph of God's grace in the life of believers. And uh, no doubt Paul would have dealt with uh, sinful impulses and as Timothy and Paphroditus. But what he wants to extol here is what the work of the Spirit can do in the life of fellow members. Beautiful. In all this you see how the congregation, Paul, Timothy, and Epaphroditus defer to one another, putting the interests of Christ and others before themselves. What an example, Koinonia. What's our takeaway from all of this today? I think I just mentioned four things. First, in Romans 12, verse 5 says that in Christ, each member belongs to all the others. We're one body. A body functions when every part functions and serves the whole. There's no such thing as a part of the body functioning independently from the body. Imagine, you know, arms and legs separated from the body. That's, that's Philippians 2.21, right? That's just working for yourself. 
But, but Christ brings us together so that we can serve one another. Every member belongs to one another. Romans 12, verse 5. Second, witness the joy here. What, what comes across here again is joy. As a matter of fact, the word rejoices in here again. The joy of koinonia in the congregation of Philippi. Remember, we mentioned this before, Jesus, others, you, in that order. J, Jesus, others, O, Y, you, in that order. And how true it is, Jesus says, by losing our life, we will find life. We find our true identity. You ever wonder why people are so lost and trying to find themselves? Because they don't know Jesus. When we give our lives for his sake, we truly find ourselves. And that's where the joy comes. The fruit of the Spirit. And third, you know, you think about the lack of fellowship, the care and concern in North American church today. That's what's contributing to the huge increase in the need of professional counseling outside of the church. What's, lo- what's been lost? I'm not doubting that professional counselors can be a great help. But what's been lost is the member-to-member counseling, which is the most effective kind of counseling there is. Simple member-to-member ministry, walking alongside of members who are down or disheartened or discouraged. Walking alongside of them as Jesus himself walked alongside of us, taking the form of human flesh, laying down his life, redeeming us from sin and death and hell, exalting us at his right hand with him. Yeah, Philippians 2.21 is a big problem in the church. I'm not talking about here, but I'm just talking about the church in general. Philippians 2.21, each seeking his own. And it shouldn't surprise us that so many are seeking counseling outside because a lot of this has been lost. A member-to-member ministry. Imagine the joy that we see in the church of Philippi. And finally, the life of Christ's body, true fellowship is winsome. It's infectious. It draws. People see it. They want to come. Not all, but Christ uses it to draw in his elect. We live in a world of alienation, conflict, joylessness, empty eyes, empty hearts, people who are alone and lonely. And here, in the fellowship of God's people, you see how Christ ministers to people's deepest needs, using his word, but using members. Members, members of the body, one to one another. No wonder that in the early church, the common complaint was, see how they love one another? People who hated Christ and the Christians, that's how they they would respond. They didn't understand that koinonia is a gift and a grace that the Holy Spirit works within the body of Christ. Bonhoeffer says there is, in the, in the Christian community, there is access to one another, there's joy in one another, there's community with another through Christ alone. And then you see and you hear those words of Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold, 
how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to live together in unity. Amen.